Thank you for all the board members and the pastors they are preaching. And there's a reason why I've been led to preach this message today because of the reality of heaven and the reality of hell. Remember the last two weeks ago, I spoke about only, only two gates. The twos are in pairs, only two paths or two roads, only two crowds, the few and the many, and only two destinations, life or destruction. So today I'm going to uh, begin to focus even as uh, what I promised you two weeks ago, that I'm going to speak a little bit more about the other gate, why we should avoid the other gate, why we should know the other gate. And if we are at the wrong gate, if we are on the wrong road, like what I mentioned, don't panic, don't fear. You can still respond on the screen. You can still respond here because we know that not all who are in church belong to the true church. So there is the visible church and there is the invisible church. The visible church are people who proclaim and confess that they are Christians, they are believers, but in their lives, like Jesus says, you will know them by their fruits. A tree will be known by, its, by, by, by the fruits that is so clear. We are not talking about salvation, that the root of good works is salvation, but we are talking about the fruit of, sal of salvation is good works. So there's a difference between root and fruits. So many times we confuse the two. Salvation is only by grace. Salvation is only coming by repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't accidentally become a believer, a true believer of Jesus Christ like what I mentioned two weeks ago. We intentionally, Jesus asks us, Jesus exalts us, Jesus plead with us, enter by the narrow gate and walk on the hard or the difficult path because that is the path that Christ has chosen for his true disciples, for the true kingdom. And if we are not on that narrow gate and that easy path, that means automatically we are already, we are in the white gate, or we are already in the easy path where the crowd is there. So never follow the crowd. I know we many times like love to follow the crowd. When you go to Mid Valley, I think recently there's a new shop, there's a new makan shop that's opened up. I think it is a Hainanese uh, 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 a shop that sells all the breakfast. And you look at the queue, I think we were there on recently, I think, just recently we were there. You look at the crowd, you think that the food is nice. You think everything is special. You think the Hainanese coffee is the best. But then when you, after standing for almost half an hour, 45 minutes, you go in and you taste, ayah, what's, the, what's, what's, what's so special? Huh? Ayah, all that standing, all that waiting, all that excitement, you say, I can go to our church members' shop, it's so much better. So I want to promote my church, our church members' uh, Hainanese uh, shop. Today, I think they will be crowded today. It's called Joy Bakery in uh, Taman Mega. Yeah, yeah. So if you love authentic Hainanese uh, chicken chop and uh, curry, uh, curry meat, uh, no, no advertisement, I'm not getting anything for advertisement, uh, I'm not getting free food also, but it just goes to show the point that a crowd does not mean that this is good, this is right, because like what Jesus says, you can be crowded and you can be doing the wrong thing. We can be sincerely wrong in who we follow, so we have to follow just one person and one direction, follow the Lord. I'm going to read from uh, the Gospel of Luke, Dr. Luke, uh, chapter 16. I'm just going to take uh, verse 16, to, uh, 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 sorry, verse 22 to verse 24. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus 
at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am anguished in this flame. Father, we pray even today for your word that is spoken. For we know that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, Lord. So we pray for those who are hearing that they will have ears that will hear, hearts that will be open to you, and feet that will be drawn to run to you, Lord, online and in the physical presence here. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is a story of a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores and desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. So there was a big contrast Last two weeks, I spoke about the contrast of the twos. Here, we speak also about the two here. One, one in Hades or hell, and one in the presence of God in heaven. And so we know that the poor man died and was carried to Abraham's side. When we talk about Abraham's side, it speaks about being in the presence of God, finding favor of God, being right with God. And then the request came from the rich man after, you know, the worst thing about being in hell. I'm going to start off the word hell here. This is a four-letter word that we should not ignore. We can do away with all other four-letter words. But this four-letter word, please do not reject, do do not ignore. H-E-L-L. Because Jesus spoke more about judgment and hell more than he spoke about heaven. And there's a reason why. Because just as heaven is real, hell is just as real. And so, Jesus was speaking about this parable. Perhaps it may not be a parable. Because some scholars have said that this is the first time among the parables that Jesus gave a name. And that name was Lazarus. And Jesus didn't mention the name of the rich. There is a hint to that when you go to hell, when you go to Hades, nobody will remember you anymore. You are forgotten by God. You are rejected by God. As promised, what I mentioned two weeks ago, today I'm going to give you hell. (laughs) And this is the message that I believe that is so strong and it ties in with the two gates it ties in with what God mentions about the nature of hell. And so, the rich man, when he saw Abraham, and I believe that, like what I mentioned just now, the worst thing is to wake up and to find yourself in hell. And many times we ask ourselves, our loved ones who did not accept the Lord, and we are grieved, we are sad. What happens to them, Jesus is very clear. Jesus is very meticulous. Jesus is very detailed. Of course, we don't get all the full detail because many times the symbols and the words used by in the Bible many times does not come close to what is the true reality. I'm going to give you a picture of hell. But this picture of hell, even though it is in the Bible, because God knows how much we can take Just as God, even the description in heaven, even though there is a description in hell, but it was given in heaven, it was given to John, and it was given to the apostles. But yet, God knows this is so much we can understand based on what we see. But when we go to heaven, and when we, and and God willing, and we pray that nobody, none of us, none of our family members, none of the people that we love will ever go to hell. That is the very reason why we send mission teams. That's the reason why we do what minute witness. That's the reason why we witness. That's the reason why we preach, we teach, and we evangelize. 
It is because of the because of the reality of hell. We don't want to wake up, and that is what happened to the rich man. He was thinking that he was the one supposed. He thought that there was a mistake. Hey, I'm supposed to be with Abraham, but I'm not with Abraham. But I am in Hades, which is the place of the dead, waiting to be condemned. Instead, there was a great reversal. We thank God for the great reversal that Jesus has come to put the, the, the first last and the last first. That those whom the world thinks are rejected, those the world thinks are sinful, those things are nothing, God will lift them up. So, so God will lift up the humble and bring down the proud. And so... It was such a shock. I think, do you know who the audience were at this time when Jesus was telling this story slash parable? It was the Pharisees because it really shook their world. They were thinking all the rich were favoured by God and the poor is judged by God. They have done wrong in their life. They have sinned in their life. And that's why even the disciples asked, this man born blind, who sinned? He sinned or his parents sinned? But Jesus says, neither. It is not, we cannot judge people based on their current situation. And do you know that Jesus says that suffering and persecution and pain and trials is part and our parcel on the road that is hard when we enter the gate that is narrow. So the rich man was desperate. He says he was feeling the heat, hell, it was, she was experiencing hell. And we may, many times we use the word hell here, you know. Uh, it's just like a living hell. We talk, you know, about the situation we are going through, you know, what the hell is going on, you know, where we are confused, you know, when we are upset, you know, we, we, we talk about what a, you know, the hellish situation in my office, you know, are the things. But if we really know what the true hell is, we will be very careful the next time we use the word hell because the hell that we think of is nothing compared to the real hell that is prepared for the devil and his angels. And for those who are unrepentant, for the impenitent, that means those who hate God, who reject God, who reject the free offer of God. And so even in hell, the rich man told Father Abraham, can you send Lazarus to me and dip his finger? There must be water where he is right now compared to hell. And he was wanting to just dip and touch me because I'm thirsty in torment in hell. And then secondly, he also said that I have still got five brothers. I, please send them, you know, send Lazarus. You know, if the dead were to rise again and go there, he says, maybe they will believe and not come to the place where I am. Where was the rich man? The rich man was in torment in hell. And the reply was that, no, there is a chasm, there is a divide between heaven and hell. Neither, neither can those in heaven cross over to hell, neither can those in hell cross over. So that means there is something very important that we should know which I'm going to talk to you today. The doctrine of hell is something like what Pastor David says in the 21st century, uh, even in the 20, 21st century church, we seldom hear. In the 20th century, there was a lot of preaching on hellfire and brimstone. But in the 21st century, we, uh, there is a trend towards making members feel very comfortable. Don't, pastor, don't preach something that I don't like to hear. Don't preach something that I'm comfortable. After all, Sunday is my rest day. Sunday is my off day. But Sunday is the Lord's day. Remember that. It's the Lord's day. And let the Lord speak. Let the Spirit of God speak to us today. So, do you know that even theologians, even respected theologians says that one of the things that they struggle in, scholars struggle, is the doctrine of hell. They just cannot imagine, they cannot fathom how severe, how terrible, how terrifying, if you're talking about terror, the most terrifying thing 
is to be in hell. And so, if possible, there are many Christians, again, they could be on the, on the, they have come in through the white gate, they don't like to, to speak about hell. When one church speaks about hell, maybe I hope nobody leaves the church and go to another church that doesn't speak about hell. Because someday, it's better to hear hell here than to wake up and be in hell. Because you won't want that. Neither would it want that. I know we may have people that we don't like, people we don't agree with their lives, even criminals and crime. But even our worst of our enemies, we don't want them to be in hell. Why? Because of what Jesus speaks about hell. It is the, the place that even our worst enemy, I'm sure we have some people that uh, we say, we use the word, go to hell. Please don't say that again after what I've shared today because you never want them to go to hell. You want them to go to Jesus. Enter through the narrow gate. Seek healing and forgiveness. Accept the free offer of our Lord Jesus Christ rather than saying, go to hell. Because you will never want them, anyone, to ever, ever go to hell. And this is a doctrine that many, many uh, so-called Christians, that means they may perhaps be trying to look at the Christian faith, the Jesus way, as a, a path of just blessing and blessing and favour and prosperity. But brothers and sisters, be very clear. Jesus didn't just speak about heaven. Jesus didn't speak about blessing. Jesus, but Jesus also spoke about judgment. There, God has already appointed a day for judgment. All of us will be judged. All of us will be resurrected. The few resurrected to life. And the many on the wrong road will be resurrected unto hell, destruction, and in the outside of the presence of God. Why would God want to send anyone to hell? It goes to the very nature of who God is. If the God that we believe is the biblical God, is the God that is revealed in the Holy Scriptures, then that is a justification for hell. You do, and I don't have to defend God. God, maybe we can negotiate. Let us remove hell from the Bible and then more people will come to church. But again, Jesus already knew in advance. He says, only few. We are the assembly of the few, like what I mentioned. So there are four things that we need to know. Because God is good, there is a hell. Because God is holy, there is a hell. Because sin is an affront to God, there is a hell. And because hell is a reality prepared for the devil and his angels. Because of the goodness of God, you and I, all of us who truly have a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus says he will build his church and the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. So if we are part of the true church of Jesus Christ, the church stands in the way, protects us and keeps us on the straight and narrow way. It all based on the goodness of God. If God is not good, there will not be a heaven. There will just be a hell. But because God is good, we can defend, we can speak out for God. God is good. Why? Because God gives a heaven. And God asks us all, in fact, plead with us, enter the narrow gate. And by the way, like what I mentioned two weeks ago, there is also another gate. Make sure you enter the right gate. And the name of the gate is Jesus Christ. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. So God is holy. 
That means God hates sin and God hates evil. And that is what the Holy Spirit is doing in each of our lives. We hate sin. There must be an anger. That's why blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It is not talking about funerals. It's talking about we mourn. We are angry about our own sinfulness in the past. And even if we commit sin right now, we should quickly ask God for forgiveness. Repentance. Penitence is the mark of a true believer who have entered the right gate. Sorry, Lord. You cry for yourself. You cry for the sins of the nation. You cry for sins of people who are doing wrong because it is what God hates. Because God is holy. And sin is actually a direct affront to God. You are actually rebelling against God. Sin is actively rebelling against God, challenging God, questioning God. And that's why hell is a reality. There are eight things that I want to quickly run with you. These eight things you must remember just from this passage in Luke chapter 16, from, from what we gather. The first thing is there's a danger in the church today of affluence, wealth, and materialism. Sometimes we think that the persecution is the one we should fear the most or the devil is the one we should fear the most. But brothers and sisters, from this parable here, Jesus also sp spoke a lot about wealth and riches. Do you know that wealth, affluence and materialism is one of the attacks on the church of Jesus Christ? It keeps us cold. It keeps us lukewarm. We become lovers of money. Instead of using money as a tool, as a steward to win souls, to invest in missions, to invest in what we did in the charity bazaar and in the homes and bringing people to the Lord, we are hoarding money for ourselves. So one of the greatest dangers in the church today as we learn the story of the rich man and Lazarus is the danger in the church today of wealth and materialism. Again, the true church will not always speak about money, will not always ask you about money because if you are truly transformed, if you are truly on the right gate and on the right way, we will be givers just like our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus gave His all. The Father gave His all. The Holy Spirit, when He comes into our life, will teach us, will train us, will purify us to be givers, to be people who serve, to people who care for others. And so the opposite of being an unbeliever is that we are, we worry, we are greedy, we are covetous, for material things, for prosperity. Let this be a sign for the church that we have to be warned that when we don't have much, this is where we draw close to God. I remember when I just became a new believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know whether I shared this testimony in Penang. And then my wife and I, and we just had, just had Brian, were young and we were living on a very, very tight budget. In fact, we tightened the belt so, so much that we couldn't even breathe, you know, by, by tightening the, the budget. And so when, when, when somebody falls sick, when Brian falls sick or I fall sick, what is the, what's the main thing that we do? Oh, we go to God. Not to the doctor first because of the wallet that we had, the, the amount of money wallet. So the first thing we did is we go to God. And then my sister, who is from another uh, denomination, I, I, I told my, my sister, did you all take to the doctor? No, 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 we just prayed. We didn't share that we didn't have enough money to go to see the doctor, Say so we just prayed. And then we received healing. And then my sister was just amazed. Wow, so much faith. Ah. Yeah, lah, because got no money, what? <laughs> and sometimes having too much we tend to depend on God less. And that is the danger of wealth and money. Don't worry lah. If we don't close our door, people take our thing, never mind, we can just buy any. 
you know. Just buy medicine. Just go and see the doctor, specialist. I know I'm sure everybody knows so many specialists. Even in our church, we have specialists here. Sorry, I'm not thinking anything bad about the doctors and specialists. We thank God for you. That is the ministry that God has given to you. But this is just a lesson. That the more we have, there is a danger of the less we depend on God. People who go to missions, I'm sure there are quite a number of you who go to missions. And sometimes... We have experience, like what Pastor David shared last week. We have experience, you know, that we could be, we could be in danger. We could experience that we, there was a timing difference. We could be sure that we have to rush, you know, from plane to plane in transit. But somehow we just depended on God. And true enough, God came through for us. God protected us. God provided for us. And that's why... I encourage you to go for missions. I'm also encouraging all my pastors and ministers to go for missions. Why? Because it builds faith. There you don't have, you cannot use a lot of your gadgets. You don't have Wi-Fi and sometimes the toilet or so is so bad. Sometimes you just go to toilet by faith. <laughs> you ask my wife or so, you know, sometimes we just need to bring out our mask, put higher a bit, we'd want to see the toilet, the condition of the toilet, you know. Sometimes after somebody else has gone in, then you go in, you know, sometimes there's not even a toilet or so. So a lot of things we go by faith. And do you know, the greatest miracles happen in the mission field because we just believe. We cannot just throw money and say, hey, I got money, can we do something about this? You know, not just money, not just ability, but it is living by faith. So this is something that the church needs to come back again, even as we talk about the, the scripture, we talk about the holiness of God, and we talk even about the nature of what, of, of hell, bringing hell into the church is the, the work of the enemy, trying to make people feel so comfortable. You know, God is doing something today in the church. God is making the comfortable uncomfortable. If you're very comfortable with your seat, ask God, Lord, Am I too comfortable? If we take out the aircon right now, everybody will say, maybe next week, we don't know whether got aircon, I will just watch online only. If there's no power here, people will say, you know, maybe you should not go to church. That is the extent. But you go to missions field, people come for, drive for many hours, walk for many hours, take the bicycle, take the motorbike for many hours just to come to church. And there are no fans at all. So they just sweat and read the Bible. And you see, and the worship is even more vibrant. No, we don't ha they don't have the luxury of all the instrument here. But still, their worship, sometimes you just immediately felt the presence of God. Because true worship comes, starts with the heart, not with the instrument, not with the aircon, not with the lighting. We thank God, not with the screen, beautiful screen we have. We thank God that glad tidings is able because of your giving. But if we take all these things away, can we honestly say, can we still worship God? I know in, a, in certain churches, in the mainline denomination, they only still have fans only. They have fans in the church and people still come and flock to church. This is a test for us. I cannot dwell on this too long. The next one is, the second point is, the unrepentant or the impenitent will deserve hell. Because why? They never change. Remember the rich man here in the story? Even in the hell, he was giving hell to other people. He was ordering people around. Hey, Abraham, you send Lazarus, even looking down on Lazarus again. Even in hell, we never change. That is the place you don't need to change anymore. You can be the best that you want. You can be the worst. In fact, hell is the place that you can be worse than you are today because there's no restraint when you go to hell. Everything goes. And so, the people who are in hell, like the rich men, are there because they deserve to be there. Look at how he commanded Father Abraham. You know, Father Abraham was the father of faith. And he said, send, send, send that, that, that grab fella, that delivery boy, Lazarus, 
still looking down on Lazarus, even when he was living, looked down on him, never gave him food. And that is the fruit of his life, not caring for the poor. But the reply was that, sorry, sorry, rich man, whatever name you are, you have lost your right to speak. You have lost your right to choose. You have made your choice and you deserve to be there. So in hell, they will continue to curse God. There is no rehabilitation in hell. There is no remedial action. Hopefully, the person will transform. You know, they talk about, oh, maybe I'm going through a purifying fire. Brothers and sisters, hell's fire is not for purification. It's not refiner's fire. It is an unending, unquenchable fire. You burn and you burn and you burn. It's a forever barbecue. You are in one long, long barbecue. And you are the one that is barbecued. The third one is suffering, hardship, even poverty is not a sign of punishment, condemnation, and disfavor with God. And that was the Pharisees, that was their pet doctrine. We are rich. We are in places of authority. We have good health. That means we are right with God because we give a lot of money. We go to the temple. That means we are the holiest. But this story or this parable began to show that many times it is the poor, the suffering, those who are persecuted are actually the ones who are actually right with God. And so when we get to heaven, I pray all of us here online and here that we get to heaven only by the grace of God. We will be surprised at the people who are not there. Hey, I thought this person was there. The person cast out demons. The person prayed for people. The person prophesied. How come the person is not in heaven? The person was even pastoring or teaching or, or going to missions or even the person was a, 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 a leader. When we go to heaven, we will also be shocked at the people who are not there. We will be shocked at the people who are there. Hey, I thought you are going to hell, huh? How come you're here? <laughs> and the person would come back to you, hey, I thought you were still going to hell. <laughs> but when you get to heaven, we will say, I'm so glad I made it to heaven. And this will comfort those who are worried. What about my family members? What about my good friends? What about my neighbor? They are not here. In Revelations, it says in heaven, there is no weeping, no mourning, no death, no tears. Because when we are in heaven, we just feel the, the joy of the Lord. There is no more worrying. I know some of us are warriors, you know. We are worried about everything. Those of us who are anxious about everything, but when we go, we are not worried about who is not there. We are just thankful that we are there. Turn to one and nine says, see you in heaven. <laughs> Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Luke, it speaks about blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So many times, the poor people who are suffering are the people that God allows to go through. Never, never discount. Never push aside your suffering as something that, is, that, you are, that you have done something wrong. But if you have done something wrong, turn around to God and ask God for forgiveness. If your suffering is because you caused your own suffering, don't say it is God's refining me. So this is another thing. Allow your leaders to speak into your life. Allow your pastors to correct you and discipline you. Give permission to correct you. The fourth one, destiny that we will arrive at is chosen in this life itself. Once we close our eyes, once we breathe our last, that's it. 
tamat. End of the story. The person cannot change his mind. It is the end. Full stop. Believers, here in this life, is the only life, is the only time we can love God, acknowledge God, turn from our life, and begin to walk through the narrow gate because after we have closed our eyes, there is no more pleading with God for our loved ones who didn't make the right choice. We know that there are certain parts of the church that still ask you to give money and drop money so that those who are stuck, you know, they, they've got the area of stuck, you know. You're stuck, huh? don't go to heaven yet. Huh? Stuck, you put a bit of money, you pray for them, poop, the door open and they go to heaven. But no more ready. Once they didn't meet they didn't confess, they didn't repent, they didn't come to Jesus. That's it. And that's why it's so important for us to constantly pray, constantly witness, constantly share, constantly go for missions, constantly give to the work of bringing one. I'm challenging us, each one bring one. Not just to bring up the attendance, but to make sure that they are with us when we are in heaven. Don't go to heaven alone. Just like the famous catch, don't leave, your, don't leave your home without your credit card. I think that's what wives used to tell the husband. Huh? But here, don't leave earth without Jesus. Don't leave earth without heaven in your heart. The fifth one, the choice here on earth is irreversible Sorry, I forgot to add in, in our next eternal destination. Can you add that? Huh? The choice here on earth is irreversible in our next eternal destination. That means once in heaven, forever heaven. Once in hell, forever in hell. Just like the story we have just led just now. Abraham representing God says, I cannot go there and you cannot come here. It is fixed. The story says there's a fixed divide between heaven and hell. There's no more opportunities to repent, to regret or to change your mind after death. I know many times here on this earth we change our minds a lot. But there's one thing that we have to get our mind right. And that is the meaning of repentance. Changing your mind about, the, about God, about the gospel. And make sure that this is what you choose. Choose Jesus. And you're choosing life. And you're choosing heaven. You're choosing the kingdom that will never end. Choose Jesus and you are choosing heaven and you are choosing God himself. Whatever the other religions tell you, listen to what Jesus says because Jesus came from heaven and Jesus is the only way that knows how to go back to heaven. Jesus says, in my father's house are many rooms. I hope that your name is written in one of the room doors right now. I hope our names is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, in the Revelation. In the Book of Life, there are a few books that will be opened in the judgment, in the Day of Judgment. And we hope, we pray, we keep faith, we endure to the end to make sure that our names is written written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because what happens for those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life? They will be sent to the lake of fire. This will be the second death. Number six, everyone must be accountable to God only for our own life. The rich man tried to bargain with God. God, what about my five brothers? They also if they knew what kind of torment I'm going through, I don't want them to go through this. Brothers and sisters, 
we are only accountable to God for our soul. No matter how close our family, you cannot be accountable, I cannot be accountable to God for my wife's soul. She has to personally make Jesus her Lord. My son has to make personally to Jesus. That's why, the, that's why he said that God has no grandchildren. And there is no family package in salvation. Heaven doesn't give family package. We know Club Med has, we know Langkawi has, we know a lot of uh, uh, different uh, hotels have family package, but in heaven is one-on-one. Individually we come. And that's why don't take for granted your family members. Don't take for granted just because in your church centre app, you put your whole family there. Hey, Lord, you see church centre app, all my family here. By right, they should also be in heaven, right? No. In heaven, there's no church centre app. In heaven, there's no check-in. I think some people will be happy. Lah. But the check-in is just for us to have a contact tracing. And also, ours is for us to keep in touch with you. You know, that we want to send you uh, any uh, events that are happening, any messages we want to send to you. That is the purpose of us checking you in. It is not to uh, be the big brother to know where you're going all the time. So each one must be responsible. Pray and be a good example to your children, to the young people. We have the young people who are here. Can you give a shout here? All the youth who are here today with us. Every first week and third week of the month, the youth will join us. So all of us, parents, the welfare of your family is more than just giving them an education, more than just making sure they have everything that they need, the right handphone, the right iPad, the right college, the right university. Make sure they have the right gate, they know the right gate, they know the right way. Make sure that they are also bound for heaven, that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Number seven, Jesus has clearly and loudly revealed heaven and hell in His Word and the Holy Scriptures. There is no excuse or appeal for other evidences or persuasion. Even miracles, signs and wonders will not convince people to come to God. Do you know, again, and I'm talking about another Lazarus, of Bethany with the sisters Mary and Martha. We know that Jesus raised Lazarus from the tomb. After four days, he has died. Do you know Lazarus could have actually caused the church, caused the followers of Jesus Christ to increase? Because look at Lazarus. We confirm he has died. Surely he has died already because they all attended the funeral. They already know they embalm him ready. They already know they put him in the, in the, in the tomb ready. Sure that, sure dead ready. But then he, Jesus just asked, as the Lord of life, Jesus is the giver of life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And Jesus called out Lazarus from the tomb. Lazarus, come up. That's all Jesus needs to do. And one day, when Jesus comes in the air, Jesus will call us, come up doesn't matter what we are wearing, doesn't matter where we are, we pray we will come up to be with him. That's called the rapture. And can you imagine what Lazarus would do? Jesus could have promoted Lazarus. Say, let's ask the social media. Let's ask the poster to be printed everywhere, paste Lazarus' photo. He was dead, now alive. Follow Jesus. Could you imagine the church of Jesus Christ could be millions at that time? But No. There were still few followers. Why? Even Jesus did that miracle of bringing people to death. Still nobody believed. Faith is not just knowledge. Faith is not just information. But faith is a matter of the heart. It's a moral issue. You have to believe that Jesus is Lord. That's why the Bible, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Whatever we do, healing, miracles, and all these things must be accompanied by the Word of God. 
Some people say, why the preacher preached so long? Just pray for healing. But there's a reason. Without the word, nothing happens. And healing is not the most important thing. What's more important than healing? Salvation, yes. That is the greatest miracle. Our soul needs to be healed, the most important thing. Because one day we'll all die, correct? Not? No matter how much ginseng we take, no matter how much good food we take, no matter what keto diet, whatever diet we take, one day we will die. That is a promise. Unless we are here when Jesus comes back, the rapture, then we will just be caught up. So the Word of God is so important. And that's why as pastors, we preach and minister the Word of God. Because only the Word of God is carried by the Holy Spirit to open the door of every heart. Jesus says, I knock at the door. We pray along with you for all your oikos online and here that you continue to knock on the door by praying for your loved one, doing good to them, contacting them, bringing them. Number eight, the urgency of preaching the whole gospel everywhere. Sorry, uh, yeah, the last one. So all the seven that we have mentioned just now actually comes back to one thing. That is why we constantly preach, we constantly witness, we constantly send, uh, do one-minute witness, we constantly share our testimonies, we constantly pray on Wednesday and all the other weekday morning prayer and all the prayers that we pray. The most important thing is disciples, souls will be won because every, everyone matters to God. No one should go to hell. It grieves God to go to hell. When anyone goes to hell, let me just give you a description of hell. We hope that uh, this one will just... Can I just, uh, just fast forward a bit of my slide to talking about the pains of hell? If you have my slide, yes. There are three important components in hell that we have to remember. It goes uh, side by side parallel with life itself. Punishment. It is an eternal punishment. That means it's just like, not like our punishment here where you go to jail. And then after being good, being a good boy, be a good girl, after uh, having good reports from your warden and all this, you can be paroled. But here in hell, it is lifelong, forever and ever. There's no clock in hell, just as there's no clock in heaven. There's no timeline. You don't use the word when there. There's, there's no need for the word when because it is forever and ever. Eternal. There is the unquenchable fire. In Mark 9 says, unquenchable, that means the fire will always be there. Then there is destruction. The word destruction means also perish. The word in Greek means apolysis. Apolmi, sorry. Apolymi, A-P-O-L-L-I-M-I. L-L-Y-M-I. Apolymi means destroyed. But destroyed means you don't disappear. That is the worst thing. If we destroy means you just disappear, you just vanish, then your pain will not be as severe. But it means that the pain goes on and on and on. Jesus says, don't fear anyone who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But fear the one who can kill both the body and the soul and send them to hell. The third one is banishment. That means you are banished forever away from the presence of God. Just like the five foolish virgins, they were locked out from the wedding feast and the wedding celebration forever and ever. 
Then we go to the full picture of the abode of the damned. We have eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And that's why, please, don't pray, don't curse, don't wish anybody to be hell because this is a place originally prepared for the devil and his angels. And the angels are those wanted that have rebelled with Satan. It's never meant for us, God's cream of creation. There is unquenchable fire. The fire never dies. It keeps on burning and burning because there is constant fuel, eternal fuel. It will burn. There is shame and everlasting contempt. Who will make you shameful for missing heaven, for not choosing God? It is God himself, not the devil. Because I want to cut away the wrong image that we have in pictures, in movies, that in hell you see the devil with the pitchfork, with the horns, punishing people. No, actually the devil is also suffering in hell. So those in hell will have fellowship with Satan and his demons and the, and, and the beast and the false prophet. All will be in hell together, one gang, one prison, forever. It's a place where their worms does not die and the fire is not quenched. How does a worm does not die? It's when the body or the host never dies. That's, that's why destruction is not total op, uh, a removal of a person, but the sinner, the unrepentant sinner, is the host for the worms to keep on feeding on, on them. And the worm will keep on feeding and feeding and feeding for how long? Forever. For some of us who are very icky about worms, Definitely you want, don't want to be there. For some people who like to eat worms, there's a different thing. <laughs> but please, just imagine the picture in the valley of Hinnom, outside, southwest of the temple of Jerusalem. That is a place now used to use for child sac sacrifice to the pagan god Molech. And Josiah, during his time, begin to reverse it and use it for the city dump. And there, people throw all the offering of the animals that were sacrificed. People throw their dumps at the animal dumps and they keep on feeding and the fire does not go out. This is the same in hell. The worm does not die. A place of torment and flame, eternal destruction, a place of torment with fire and sulfur or brimstone where the smoke of your torment goes to forever and ever. A lake of fire and sulfur where the wicked are tormented day and night forever and ever. Then there is outer darkness and everlasting pain. Some people were thinking, is, ask a, uh, somebody asked a scholar, do you think the description of hell is real. Do you think, what is the difference between hell and heaven? The main difference is God, with God, and without God. And then some people will say, oh, that's only that. Ah. Then not so bad. Lah. But there's a wide difference between having God and enjoying God and, and the absence of God. Because even in this life, even the wicked enjoy the good things here. Like Jesus says, even the wicked enjoy the sun, the moon, the air, the produce, the health, everything here. But when we go to hell, they have nothing of God there. No light of God. We talk about utter darkness. Let me just share something before I end here. I don't know about you, but when there is total darkness, I panic. There was one time that I, I went to my wife's uh, uncle's house in Ipoh and uh, the, the room that we stayed in had the blackout curtains. I didn't know that and then we switched off to sleep. Suddenly I, I got up in the morning 
and it was pitch dark. I began to panic. I couldn't breathe. Because this is the first time I, there was total darkness. You know, everywhere you go, you can see a bit of light coming in, but it was pitch dark. Fear began to set me. This is what you are experiencing in hell. Pitch darkness. Because why? Who is the light of the world? Jesus is the light. Is no longer there. That's why in heaven, there's no need for sun. Because God says, I will be your light. I will be your life. I will be your truth. But it's the total opposite in hell. You, there will be total darkness. Although there will be fire, you'll be burning, but you will be in total darkness. That is the greatest fear that we have when we don't have light. In hell, the wicked forever subject to the fury and the wrath of God. Hell is an eternal conscious punishment. That means you are alive. Some people are talking about, maybe it's just soul sleep. We just sleep forever and ever. But no, it is a punishment. Remember it says, it is a punishment that you are going, you are going to be awake and you are going to be punished. And just a few points before I close. In 1 Timothy 6, 9, it says, there is ruin and destruction. What does that mean? That means when you go to hell, you have lost your purpose that God has created us. We are useless to God. We have not fulfilled our function. And that's why in heaven, the salt and the light will go into heaven. We are useful here on earth. We preserve the Word of God. We proclaim the truth of God. We proclaim a holy God. But in hell, you have lost your purpose for living anymore. In Matthew 25, 46, it's contrasting the parallel. There are two great contrasts, eternal punishment and eternal hell. And lastly, sinners are more sinful in hell than they were on earth. Does God delight to send anyone to hell? The answer is a big no. Because in 2 Peter 3.9, it says, the Lord is not slow to His promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach Repentance. The same word, perish, not wishing anyone should be destroyed in hell. The same Greek word, apolemy. Do you know that God is more willing to save sinners than sinners are to be saved? That's why all those who chose hell is because they consciously, willfully, actively reject God. But that does not mean stop us from continuing to share Christ, to be a witness for Christ. Because you and I don't know who will reject Christ. Some people are very hard towards Christ in the initially, hard to the gospel, hard to us, chase us away. But after sharing and sharing by different people, they become soft. And I'm one of those. Never give up on anyone because we don't want hell for them. We don't want to give them hell and they don't, no one deserves hell. I'll leave you with these few thoughts about the comparison of heaven and hell. Heaven is the paradise. Can I have the worship team here? Paradise where God is our light. Can you imagine that God Himself will be our light? There's no need for the sun. There's no need for your fluorescent light. There's no need for your LED light. God is there in living colors, in living person. The life of God is the best gift that we can receive. We will have reward and joy forever and ever. There is the crown of righteousness 
Paul mentions in the Second Timothy chapter 4. There is the crown of life that James mentioned in First James. And there is the crown of glory that Peter mentions in First Peter chapter 5. And in Revelations again, the crown of life is waiting for us. We rule with God even in the millennium, the 1,000 year rule. And we will serve God forever in heaven. At that time, we will just love to serve God 24-7. Because there's nothing better to do, more fulfilling to do than to serve God. So start serving God now in preparation for serving God 24-7 forever and ever. There is the crowning of humanity you and I will be like Christ. This is where that God will be so delighted that we choose to follow Christ. The opposite of heaven is hell, the place of the damned. It is outer darkness. It is death away from the presence and the life of God. For those who go to hell, they experience the second death. That's why, biblically, if you are born twice, first time you're born by naturally, the second time you're born again, you die once only. And then you rise up to the resurrection. But if you are born only once into your own family and you're not born again, then you die twice. You die physically and you die the second death. You are separated forever from God and then you are thrown into the lake of fire. Let us be born twice and die once and be in the presence of our Lord. The just torment and punishment that never stops or never ends, that is hell. Utter wastefulness and nothingness. Can you imagine all what God has put into you to be, to do, you have wasted. And the last one is losing one's humanity. You are punished instead of the lake of fire being reserved just for the devil and his angels. Human beings are thrown into that same lake of punishment. That is the saddest thing that grieves the heart of God. Let me pray for you right now. If you have heard the message today and you are not sure you are at the right gate, you are calling out, you're crying out. There's something that's breaking into you. There's a brokenness in you. You're online or you're here, you say, I'm not sure. Maybe I've never made a real commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want hell. I want what God wants for me. Life. Forgiveness. Reconciliation. My name to be written in the Lamb's book of life. I want the light of God forever. Then follow me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, I hear you. You're knocking at the door of my heart. I'm opening the door right now. And I open the door of my heart and I declare that I have sinned against you. I need a rescuer. I need a saviour. And you have come to save and to rescue me from the wrath of God, from sin and from hell. So Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I confess all my sins. And I renounce all other gods, all other vows and allegiance that I've made with false gods. I know now you are the one true God. And you love me so much that you went to the cross for me. You rose for me. And now you are in heaven on the right side of heaven pleading interceding for me 
that I will endure to the end. I receive you, Lord, as my Lord and my Saviour. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer online or here, please type on the chat. See a pastor or a minister here today or an altar ministry team here and say, I've said the prayer. Can you lead me, disciple me? Let me just pray a blessing for you right now. Father, we pray for the urgency of preaching the gospel everywhere because every soul matters to you. Every person matters to you. Even those who are wicked, even the enemies of the church. We don't deserve, we don't want them to go to hell because hell is the worst place. It's the most terrifying place to be. And Jesus wants everyone to be in His heaven, to be with His Father forever. Lord, we pray that You will use each one of us to reach out, to pray, to do good, to witness, to be a salt and light, and to cry and intercede for our loved ones, our friends, our families, that they may also have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. May we fill heaven with all those who are now out of the sheepfold and bring them into the sheepfold. We give you thanks. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you.